We've been talking about these seven times in the book of John in the New Testament where Jesus says this phrase. He says, I am blank. And he fills in the blank with some description of himself so that we can understand more about him and more about what he means to us. For example, the first week he said, I am the bread of life. He also said, I am the light of the world. Last week we said, he said, I am the door for the sheep. And each time we learn a little bit more about what Jesus is to us, uh, I'd encourage you to go catch up on our podcast to see where those other weeks have gone. Uh, this craft is about that, and the kids can uh, put it together and play a little game. But guys, as we get into this week's I Am statement, it makes me think about summer. Because I don't know if, uh, you know, as you grow up, remember when you were a kid, summer break happened, like school got out for New Hanover County Schools, most of the kids, last week, and it's like summer, and like, you know, people are just throwing books out windows, and like you sleep in, and you eat whatever you want for breakfast, because it doesn't matter, you skip breakfast, because you're going to watch cartoons at two o'clock in the afternoon, it doesn't matter, and then you grow up, and you're like, where's summer? Like, what happened to summer? Like, there's no such thing as a break anymore. Kids, enjoy it while you can. The greatest part about being a kid, though, is probably this. When you're a kid, everything is free. It's free. Like, think about it. Like, I hope it's free because you ain't got no money. Like, what are you going to buy something with? So it's all free. Your food is free. Your shoe, you outgrow your shoes, and you're like, eh, my shoes hurt. And all of a sudden, it's like, wow, new shoes. And it's like this, this freedom comes. It's cool to have the free stuff, but I remember as a kid, sometimes it didn't work out for me. Like, probably the most stressful day of my entire year was the day I went shoe shopping with my dad. I don't know if you guys had the same experience, but my dad, like he and I, we were not seeing eye to eye on like what shoes I needed. Cause I was like, I, I got a picture. Do you guys remember these? I don't know if you can see this. Do you remember it's in the eighties there where the Reebok had the pumps? Anybody remember the Reebok pumps? Like I gotta have me some Reebok pumps. For those who don't remember them, basically they were like these basketball shoes. They had a little rubber ball on the tongue and you would pump it up and it would like pump air into a compartment in your shoe and it would make your shoes tighter and it would instantly make you a better basketball player. And my dad was like, son, you're uncoordinated. There's no reason I should buy you these shoes. No, he never said that. He said, son, these shoes are expensive. And I'm not going to get you these shoes. They're too expensive. And I'm like, come on, dad. Everybody's get the pumps. I need the pumps. Come on, dad. I want the pumps. I want the pumps. Can't have the pumps. And we get in the car. We drive. Where does he pull up to? Pay less shoes. You know, because you buy one, you get the second pair 50% off because my brother needs shoes too. And I'm like, dad, and I, I've, I've had to apologize to my dad since then for being a brat. I'm like, dad, I want shoes. But I'll never forget, like, after, like, I was in college when I had to buy my first pair of shoes. Payless shoes was looking pretty good. <laughs> I'm like, man, shoes are expensive. As kids, everything is taken care of for us. It's just free. It's taken care of. But as you kind of go out on your own, it's like you got to provide for yourself a little bit. And uh, the lesson that we get from Jesus today kind of goes right along that line. We're going to be in John chapter 10. If you've got a Bible, you want to go and turn there. Uh, you can look it up online too on your phone. John chapter 10. We're going to be in 11 verse 16. And Jesus makes this statement there uh, where he's basically continuing on a theme that we started last week if you were at church with us. Last week, he's talking about being a shepherd. And he says, I am the gate for the sheep. And so as in a gate, he gives us, you know, access to all the good things of God. And he also gives us protection because that's what gates do. That's what doors do. They give us access to things. They protect us from things. But as he continues in this little dialogue that he's in John chapter 10, he keeps on teaching. And I want to jump in and just read this to you and see what John, ha John has to teach us from Jesus. John chapter 10, starting at verse 11. He says this, and I'm reading from the New International Version. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock 
and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand. He cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus repeats himself. He says, but I, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. So Jesus has this phrase for us this week, and we're kind of doing a a shorter teaching time today just so we can spend more time as a church family. But I want to lay this idea on you, the idea of Jesus being the good shepherd. Uh, This idea of God being a shepherd is very common. It's common throughout uh, Jewish uh, history and their understanding of God, and that's the people group that Christianity came out of. All through the Old Testament of our American English Bibles, uh, you you can read all about this metaphor of God being like a shepherd. And Jesus says, first of all, he's taking this claim. He said, you know, God is the shepherd. God is the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. Because one of the claims Jesus makes throughout his earthly ministry is, I am God in the flesh. I'm God, I've put skin on, I've come to live on this earth so that I can impact the world and point them back to my love. So it's no, it's no surprise to me that as these, Jesus gives these different I am statements, they're also statements that could be directly applied to God because Jesus is God in the flesh. He says, I am the good shepherd. The most common uh, visualization of Jesus for the New Testament church, the first century, was the idea of a shepherd. You maybe have seen this old classic painting or a portrait of an idea of like a shepherd uh, carrying a, a, little, a little lamb over his shoulders. You seen that? And there's this like tenderness to that. There's this idea that the shepherd would go out and he would seek this sheep that's missing or that's messed up or that's gone astray and bring him back. And even in our culture today, we talk about someone who has gone astray. You know, someone who has maybe left the pen, someone who is maybe a black sheep, right? And this is this whole metaphor of there's kind of this idea that God wants for us, this safety, this pasture but we get away from that, right? I know I have. I found so many times in my life, in my life I'm like, dang God, thank you for putting me back on your shoulders because I was not dragging my tail back to you. I needed somebody to come and tell me about your love. Somebody tell me about your forgiveness. And that's what Jesus is saying here when he says, I am the good shepherd. Now we could break down this passage and actually there's this cool little narrative that happens there. I don't know if you caught it. He talks about the hired hand and what happens when the wolf comes, when the hired hand's on duty, peace, hey, my sheep. <laughs> and he leaves, why? Because he's not the shepherd. He just, he's making $12 an hour and he doesn't care to get eaten by a wolf. Like that's not what he's trying to do. But the shepherd, he says, lays down his life for the sheep. I've read stories that you find about these shepherds who kind of have gone missing and their families go out looking for them. And what they find is that he's far away from the flock and maybe he's been attacked by a wolf or something. Why? Because he went off to fight that thing, keep it away from the sheep. It was his livelihood. It was his family's well-being to keep the sheep intact. But instead of digging into that passage, I want to go to probably a way more well-known and even famous passage that like maybe you've never been in church before. You've never grown up in church, but your grandma had this crocheted in her bathroom, the 23rd Psalm. You ever hear that? And it kind of gives this picture of God and it paints him as a shepherd. So what I want to do is if you've got that, you can look at it in the Old Testament of the Bible, a little trick about the book of Psalm. If you have a Bible and you break it almost right in half, you're normally in Psalms. So there you find it, find the 23rd Psalm, 3rd Psalm, 2-3. And we're going to be reading verses uh, 1 through 6, which is the whole chapter. It's a short little chapter, and it's, it's written by this guy, David. He was a king of the Jews. And David, as a boy, anybody know what he did for a living? For his family, he was a shepherd. This metaphor of God being a shepherd and us people being his flock is big in David's mind. So he writes this as he describes God. And kind of as we move on through this day, what I want to see is what can we learn about God's love for us as we understand that he considers himself our good shepherd. Psalm 23, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. 
I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. What does a shepherd do? But the first thing the shepherd does is he takes care of the sheep. You remember the story of the kids, the summer break and everything's free and the shoes that I threw a fit about. And you know, like my parents were kind to take care of me, but I w- I'm aware that there were friends of mine uh, whose parents maybe weren't able to buy them new shoes or maybe weren't present or maybe they weren't good parents. And around our city, we see people living in, in different situations where they don't have someone taking care of them. And the closest thing they have is maybe hoping that the government can lend a hand or a nonprofit or a neighbor can lend a hand. And so often I know that I've been there and I bet you have too, We're just like, man, if somebody could just understand me, if somebody could just step in, fill the gap and help me out. And this says, the Lord is my shepherd. I will not be in want. What does he give us? He helps me lay down in green pastures. One of the biggest promises Jesus gives, and I I, I quote the scripture all the time in my teaching time. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. You know what that sounds like? Green pastures, a place to just chill out, a place to know that it's okay. And the wolves and the craziness of this world are around us, but we can know it's okay. Uh, I love the fact that we have church family because in a very real way, it's like a flock. We can be together. We can look out for each other and know that Jesus is our good shepherd. It also says, he leads me beside quiet waters. That idea of rest and sustenance. What What do sheep need to survive? Grass, water, no wolves, (laughs) right? The Lord is my shepherd. It says in verse three, he restores my soul. This to me might be the heaviest part of this passage. He restores my soul. Because when this church first started almost four years ago, our very first series that we taught through, you might remember remembered if you were here, it was that new car smell. And we talked about that idea that when you get a brand new car, like this man thing smells good, man. It smells super good. And then like a month later, you're like, I've lost it. And then like, and you're still washing it and keeping it clean and keeping it vacuumed. But like a year later, like you got those crusty french fries under the front seat and the dirt in the back and there's sand in the floorboard. And like before long, you're like, man, I, I long for that new, that new car smell, you know? And what we said then and what Jesus is saying to us here is he restores my soul. Fresh start, vacuum the floor, spray some of that new car smell. But more than that, he makes us new. It keeps going. The second part of verse three, he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He teaches us to do good, paths of righteousness, the good things. This sounds like a guy that I want to get behind. It sounds like the shepherd that's going to keep his flock safe. And then this part is huge, verse four. But even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I was talking to a friend this week about that rod and that staff, and it's interesting because you know, the staff is a very important thing for guiding the sheep along, maybe get a little hook on it, pick them up out of a, a hole they fell into. And, but the, ra- the rod is sometimes like a little... Parents, do you understand when God has the rod? You know what I'm saying? He's like, ah, no. And every now and then God steps in to discipline us. He's like, that's not what you need to do. Come this way. Or maybe he's just like, look, you chose your path and that's why it hurts. <laughs> Come back to my path. But the rod and the staff, what do they do? They comfort us as we walk through this valley of shadow of death. It's, it's, a, it's a deep thought. Verse five, this actually gets me ready because we're about to have lunch together. You prepare a table before me, but in the presence of my enemies. Around us, the world looks crazy. Looks like the sky's falling down and nothing can be held together. But it's like God says, look, I got you. Even in the presence of your enemies, I'm going to provide for you. I am the good shepherd. And in verse six, surely goodness and love will follow me. 
all the days of my life. And listen to this promise. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, as Jesus stood before that crowd, he says, I am the good shepherd. What he promises is this. The shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. This is what I want to leave us with today. God provides. He takes care for, of us. Uh, when I think about where we were as a church just a month ago, I, I made a little announcement and said, hey guys, we are in a place where we're about to lose our venue space for the summer. We don't really know where we're gonna be. We took a day, if some of you remember, most of you probably remember, we took a day that Tuesday. We said, before we make any big rash decisions and decide to buy property in Leland or something crazy, let's stop and let's pray about it. So we went to God for a whole day, a day of prayer and fasting, and I think dozens of us did it. And we were just like, let's pray and pray and pray and pray. And this is what the prayer was, God, provide for us. And it was so cool because by the end of that week, God has provided for us a place that we're gonna be at starting next week throughout the rest of the summer. It's a small little microcosm piece of what it means for God to provide for us. But maybe what you need is for God to provide in your marriage right now. Like it's you guys are button heads and you can't stop and you can't even say words to each other, but you don't wanna give up, but you don't wanna keep going. And what you need to do is quit trying so hard to fix it yourself and say, God, you are my good shepherd, provide for us. Put people in our life that can mentor us. Give me the sense to shut up every now and then. <laughs> provide for us. When you think provision, you might think money, you might think food. And I can't tell you how many times my wife and I have looked at our bank account and gone, you know what, we're gonna trust God with our money first and the rest of this will be given to us. And then at the end of the month, it's like, hey, it's all there. <laughs> it's all there. It's all present and accounted for and more than we could have ever asked for or bargained for. God provides for us. What does God need to provide for you? He takes care of us. How do we know? How can we be sure that God will provide for us? You know, you ever had somebody that said they would be there for you and then they totally skipped out? Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was an uncle. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was an employer. They just skipped out on you. You're like, I can't trust you. You leave me. This is why we can trust Jesus. The good shepherd laid down his life for us. He said, I've given you the ultimate example that you can trust in me. I made myself nothing and became the likeness of a man so that I could understand your plight and go through this world with you and point you back to my love. The good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. Guys, as we continue in this time of fellowship, we're gonna uh, uh, sing another song. Uh, kids, I hope you got the craft done. Saw some of you working on it. That's pretty cool. Saw some of the kids taking notes. That's even cooler. Props to the parents of those kids. But I want us to spend some time together. You know, like, how, how lame is it to, to say that we're part of a family and then we just never get time together, right? And so I hope that you're taking time. I hope you're part of a small group. I hope that you meet somebody today. But we said, look, in this time where we have some freedom in our schedule, let's just go to the park. Let's, let's, let's have food. There's food. I think it got here. The sandwiches and fried chicken and whatever else awesomeness you guys brought. So over there, don't run off. Take some time to get to know each other because here's the thing God is providing today. Family family. And so, uh, you know, there's plenty to do, lots, of, lots to get involved in. Stick around for a little while and meet somebody. And we're going to spend some time, just one more song, worshiping together. Uh, I'm going to say a prayer if the band wants to go ahead and come up, and then we'll, we'll take a time to celebrate what Jesus has done in communion. Let's pray. God, you're good. Thank you for this day in the park where, you know, it's just, it's just, it's different. You know, it's like there's no, um, there's no pretense here. We're just outside. There's dozens, if not hundreds of people surrounding us probably going, what is that guy talking about? I heard of people that preach in public. I don't want to go over there. Um, Lord, help them to know that we're a different kind of Christian, uh, that we, we, we genuinely want to love everyone in this world. And I just pray, uh, I pray that at this time of some food and playing games and whatever happens, um, 
some of those conversations can happen and that we can talk about the good shepherd and what you've done in our lives. But thank you for this time of, uh, of peace in a way it feels like pastures and, and smooth waters today, just the, the temperature and the breeze and the ability to be outside in nature. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your guidance and your provision. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.